Hey guys, welcome to the 38th episode of the Indian Market Story. As you guys know, we're here to talk about India's story from being a $3 trillion GDP today to a $7 trillion GDP by 2030. But why are we doing this? Why is this important at all? We believe here at Pesa Smart that you guys, our viewers, should be active and passive investors in the market and grow your wealth. And the most important component to growing your wealth is investing your money wisely. Now, of course, selecting the right funds or stocks is important, but something that's equally, if not more important, is learning how to look at your portfolio as a whole and making sure that all your money is working for you in the best way possible. And that's why today we have for you with us a three-part series with our returning guest, Mr. Deepan Mehta, who's going to guide you guys, our viewers, through how to manage and optimize your portfolio for the best possible returns. So, uh... Mr. Mehta, do you want to talk us through why portfolio management is so important? First of all, Oren, thank you very much for inviting me on your podcast. And the topic we have selected is very dear to me. I'm very passionate about it because although I have seen that there are many investors who are able to identify the right stocks, but they're not great man at managing their portfolios. They may have a few good stocks, but end of the day, when you see their entire journey of investing in shares, the returns are subpar. And that got me to start thinking that what exactly are the right ingredients required so that you can make the maximum money out of your total investment in shares, not just one or two stocks which have done well for you. Yeah. And I, I want to try and give our viewers a sense of the scale of the challenge here. And there's this very famous story that, you know, some of our uh, more active investors may know, but I want to try and share it with our viewers anyways. Um, in 2008, Warren Buffett made a bet with the hedge fund management industry of America. Uh, it was a million dollar bet to say, if you can beat the index returns on a portfolio level, then he'd give a million dollars. And that bet was taken up by Ted Sizer's protege partners based out of New York. And ultimately, over that 10 year time frame, the index ended up beating the hedge fund management industry. And I really, I want to highlight that example just to give our viewers a sense that this is not a simple or easy topic. Managing a portfolio is difficult and complex and is extremely, extremely important to your overall returns. Absolutely, because, you know, what's the point of having one or two good winners if you have 70, 80 laggards in your portfolio? You are concerned with the overall return on money, not return on a single stock. So from that point of view, I think managing the portfolio is important. Uh, and understanding the right uh, processes, I call, call it processes, because there are certain simple steps which you have to follow, and there's certain discipline that you have to you know inculcate in order to get the best out of investing in equities, and that's the toughest part of managing a portfolio. Absolutely. So why don't we jump straight into it? Um, let's start with you know the basis of Warren Buffett's bet, the index, right? Why? Uh, why should investors look at everything from the perspective of the index and why is that important? And uh, what, what can we learn from the index? Yeah, well, I think the first uh, way to start managing your portfolio is to understand what the index is, how it is managed, and also what are the lessons we can learn from the index. So Varun, the first index was uh, done by Charles Dow back in 1896 and he had only 12 stocks in it. And he took the average value of those 12 stocks and that's how the Dow Jones index journey started back in 1896. Can you imagine? Long, long time ago. Over a period of time, the entire index uh, management has been refined, 
has been uh, calibrated and has been uh, communicated very clearly. So now indices like the Dow Jones, like the S&P, NASDAQ, in India, Nifty and Sensex, they're like the ultimate uh, indicator of the economy and not just uh, the investors, but even the president of USA or the prime minister of India, I'm sure, is tracking what is happening in their respective countries' uh, index because that's a good clue as to what is happening at the ground level. So index is very important from that point of view. So can you tell us a little bit about the Sensex and the Nifty, maybe about you know what it contains, where it started, just for people like me that know very little about it. So the Sensex was launched in 1980 and the Nifty was launched in 1994, if I'm not mistaken, when the actual NSE started trading operation. And the Sensex has got 30 stocks and Nifty has got 50 stocks. And one of the most important lessons of these indices is that they have kept the stocks constant. So what's lesson number one? Keep the number of stocks in your portfolio also constant. Don't keep on, keep on adding and go to 50, 70, 80 stocks or don't go down to 8, 10 stocks as well. So number of stocks is the first lesson that we can get from the index per se. The second principle behind the Nifty, Sensex and all benchmarks is that it is well diversified into many industries. And that's an important component because the whole objective behind an index is to give fair representation to the important sectors of the economy, be it banking, software, automobile, steel, etc. Et so how does the Sensex and Nifty manage that? What, what's their logic between the diversification, you know, what's included in the index? So they have a certain, certain set of criteria. Size is an important criteria for them. Second is the actual performance of the company per se. Third is that they have got specific weightages uh, of industries depending upon the importance of that industry within the economy of the country. And then they have got some other uh, criteria like trading history, uh, how many years it has been listed. Uh, at the same time, uh, the quality of the management also does play an important role. The free float is also an important parameter which they consider. So there are many such parameters which are considered to devise an index and to manage it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, why is it so hard then for investors to beat the index? I mean, it's just, you know, the 30 most largest popular stocks. What's, what's the challenge here? Yeah, well, you know, this is on a lighter note if I can share something. Is that the index committee, they cheat. I'll tell you how. Because they will throw out stocks which are not doing well and keep on adding stocks which are doing better. They're not like us investors who are married to their stock. They work in a very scientific manner. And the minute the weightage of the company within the index starts to go below a particular level, out it goes. And that is why it is very difficult to beat the index. And investors cannot really, you know, uh, get that system going in their own portfolio. And that's the most important lesson of the index that underperformers are chopped, outperforming stocks are added. That is why it makes it very difficult to beat the index. I think that's really interesting and I think that's a, that's a great takeaway. But I want to try and shift into something slightly different. Talk about underperformers and outperformers. One thing that the Nifty and the Sensex don't have, uh, there are significant outperformers oftentimes in the market are mid-cap stocks. So surely by adding mid-cap stocks, investors can get an edge on the index. That's right. Um, see, by definition and by design, Sensex and Nifty represent the top 30 stocks. Not the absolute highest number, but 30 good companies, which are large cap stocks. But then you have mid cap indices as well. And you have small cap indices as well. 
but look the investor is not fixated on the size of the company his objective is to get the maximum returns and the highest returns historically over 50 100 years has come from mid cap and small cap stocks obviously because the size is small they can grow faster the faster you grow the higher returns you can generate so therefore from an investor's perspective it is important to have a fair proportion of small and mid cap stocks as well so that your overall portfolio return can beat the sensex and nifty or any other benchmark that you are looking at nowadays we get indices which have 500 companies like you know nifty 500 mm-hmm. which has got large cap small cap mid cap all of them are interspersed in it so from an investor's perspective he can certainly add a few select mid cap stocks to get the alpha on his return so i'd like to i'd like to learn you know from your experience here um you've been a mid cap investor for a very long time what's you know how did you come to this learning and how is investing in mid caps played out for you and how has it affected your portfolio returns you know so i think mid caps are really the uh, cream which creates the outperformance large cap stocks are good safe companies and they grow at a steady pace and provide you steady returns uh, in line with the sensex and nifty but is the mid caps which give you that additional 3 4% flip in your portfolio returns and if you've got the right mid cap stocks in your portfolio then that portfolio will do exceptionally well but before we get into that navarun i think it's important for the viewers to know the proportion of mid cap stocks in their portfolio as well and that's a very important lesson because you could get carried away and put 100% of your investment in mid caps but then when the economy does badly or there's a bear market then your portfolio will unnecessarily be hugely underperforming and you may actually have loss of capital so balance is important and i think we should talk about that so why don't you so i mean all of this is great right it's great to know the theory but why don't you tell us with an example from your own investing journey see you know normally in my uh, investing style i don't invest more than 1% in a single stock immediate mid cap if it's a mid cap stock 1% large cap stock 3% so like i bought bajaj finance at around 170 rupees about 10 12 years ago or so and that's gone out to about 7000 rupees just now and it was just 1% when i bought it but now because it is appreciated the way it has it is like 15% of my portfolio same is true for tata alexi as well you know that's also been almost a 50 bagger for me and i've seen many investor portfolios where half percent 1% invested in a small mid cap stock over a period of 5 10 years a growth so large that becomes a large portion of their portfolio and really is driven the returns for that particular portfolio so my advice would be that select four or five good quality mid cap stocks in your portfolio invest 1-1% in them and have a like a limit that you will be 5% 10% of your portfolio in mid cap stock and this is i'm talking about conservative investors who are not hands on traders and uh, if those stocks have really been uh, are really good quality stocks and they have what it takes to be multi baggers then it's just about enough in a few years you will see that these mid cap stocks will become large cap stocks and part of the index and they have a very large weightage in your own portfolio as well okay so so far we've discussed how to utilize the index and what lessons to take from the index and we've discussed how to use mid cap stocks and how it's benefited your portfolio but is that all investors need to do to maintain a good quality portfolio of stocks well i think one of the basic underlying principles of portfolio management 
is to keep a good quality in your portfolio. You could have an occasional stock, you know, like a Suzlon, uh, which has gone up and goes down and, you know, uh, it's not of great quality. Uh, but by and large, the quality of the portfolio has to be good. Like I've seen that investors who've got the bluest of blue chip stocks, like say TCS or Infosys, HDFC Bank, held over long periods of time, those quality portfolios have done so well in bear markets also that uh, it has really created a lot of wealth for those investors and their families. So I think quality is important. And more importantly is uh, how do you assess quality of a company? For example, when you look at HDFC Bank, the quality comes from the fact that it is part of HDFC Group, which itself had a great track record. The managers, be it Deepak Parekh or who are the Keki Mystery, they were men of impeccable integrity, very, very dynamic. Their board of directors was very well uh, experienced and diversified. And their communication was fantastic. And this is true for Infosys, it is true for TCS, all the large companies which have created huge wealth. See, it's easy to point to quality with hindsight. Yes. And it's easy to point out quality stocks when the management is impeccable. That's not the challenge. The challenge is how do you know when you're holding on to bad quality? And I'd love to hear a story from you of how you thought you were holding on to good quality turned out to be bad quality and what you learned from that situation. So, well, you know, one example that comes to mind, a sordid one is Yes Bank. And uh, I was like swayed by Mr. Rana Kapoor's vision of the bank. But uh, from the market, we were always getting, from the market means their customers and their uh, stakeholders, we were always getting signals which were not the best, which meant that they were too aggressive in their lending. They were accommodative when it came to, you know, repayments. And they were perhaps cutting side deals as well with the people who they lent money to. But uh, I did not pay enough attention to that because the numbers which were coming from Yes Bank quarter after quarter were phenomenal. But in the end, it turned out to be a massive uh, scandal and a scam. And investors, including us, lost a hell of a lot of money in uh, Yes Bank as well. Something similar true in future retail as well, where it was not a question about the integrity of the management or the quality of uh, the people running the business. But it's just that the competition came in very heavily and their capital allocation policies were not that great. They took on far too much debt and therefore, you know, the company just went completely bankrupt. So it's not just the quality of the management and what their feedback is from the ground, but also their capital allocation policies and in India, the level of debt. Yeah, I think we'll get into the, the specifics of how to find a quality stock in the third uh, the third part of the series on portfolio management. But at a portfolio level, are there any lessons to be applied over here? At a portfolio level, I think one has to be extremely sure that uh, uh, there's supposed to be a benchmark. And only if a company crosses your that benchmark will you include in your portfolio. And I would also think that people should not make small, small bets. You know, If you want to buy a stock, buy at least 1% of the stock. And if you're investing 1% of your portfolio in a stock, then you better have done proper due diligence. And the due diligence starts with the quality and quality comes from management, business model, balance sheet quality, and what the stakeholders have to say about the company. So I think if you have a fair assessment of uh, these parameters, then you may make a mistake or two. But if you follow it consistently over a long period of time, it will create magic. 
No, that's absolutely true. And I think, uh, you know, all of these are really, really important parameters. And, you know, this is a great teaser for the third, you know, for, for our viewers to stick around for the third, uh, third installment in the series. Let's move on because another really common question that investors have is when to enter the market. You know, markets go up, markets go down. Uh, you know, we see, portfolio, we see portfolios of investors that are sitting on it for years and years and years and they do nothing. And then we see portfolios of investors that are moving up and down every couple of months, every couple of weeks. Um, what's your advice to people like them? And, you know, I'm sure you've made some of these mistakes. So how did you learn the right way to do this? You know, honestly, Arun, I have had many multi-bagger stocks in my portfolio and my investing journey. But I don't remember that when I bought those stocks, was it a bull market or a bear market? Can you imagine? I just don't remember when I bought 10 years ago a Bajaj Finance or a Tata Alexi or a PI Industry or when I invested in Infosys way back in 1998. What was the state of the market? I don't remember. What I don't remember is that I held these stocks for 5 years, 10 years, 15 years and they gave a great deal of returns, multi-bagger returns to me. So from that point of view, you know, trying to time the market is fool's paradise. And when to buy, when to sell, these are, you know, very difficult questions to answer. But all I can say is that you buy when you feel that you have got an outstanding business at a reasonable valuation. And that can come in a bull market or a bear market. More likely it'll come in a bear market because valuations are cheap. Sure. But you could have good businesses which have been ignored and you can buy them in a bull market as well. So there's no simple formula as to when to buy. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I think from an investor's perspective, they buy when they have the liquidity. Yeah. So more important when to buy is how to manage the liquidity by spreading it out over a long period of time to invest in stocks or go into mutual funds. So what this whole popular concept of systematic investment, investment mm -hmm. plan that applies not just to mutual funds, but also to equities. Because markets, movements and volatility is in nobody's hands. Yeah. And the only way to conquer that is to do it over a period of time. Yeah. And I think a really good example of something like that is at the top of this week. I think our viewers will be seeing this on the 26th of Jan. Um, but at the top of this week on, on the Monday, uh, there was an unexpected announcement and, you know, there was a sharp market fall. Uh, so, yeah, things like that can always happen. You don't want to be waiting for the perfect entry point. You want to just... Find the right business, build your conviction, and then build your position. And one thing I might add over there is not to buy at one shot any stock. Again, if you gradually spread it over one month, one quarter, one year, then you have even neutralized the volatility of that stock. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. But you know, the end of all of this now, um, there's, there's, of course, the logical component, right? Like, Learn your lessons from the index, buy the right mid-caps, buy the right stocks, buy, you know, buy stocks and build your positions over some period of time. But this is still a very stressful proposition, you know. For somebody that's managing their hard-earned money, it's very challenging because that's their life's work, you know. And on one hand, you hear stories of extraordinary returns that people are generating. True untrue is a separate concept. Uh, and on the other hand, you know, you see people that are just sitting on debt stocks and debt portfolios that are going nowhere. So from an emotional perspective, because you've, you know, you've been in the market for so long, how should, how should investors manage their emotions and expectations, you know, around their wealth in their portfolio? So I think first of all, no, you have to understand what is the, at the, at the very basic level, what is this activity all about investing? So investing is all about buying a piece of the business. You may call it a share, but it's buying a piece of the business. 
and many investors themselves run businesses they are part of a companies which are running businesses so businesses you know they take time to mature they take time to generate growth and they take a lot of enormous effort to sustain growth so same is true with your stocks as well so you're buying a company you're buying a part of a company don't get too impatient that okay you bought it and it should start going up from tomorrow the end of the day businesses can grow at 15% 20% 12% and therefore the, that's the value they create the growth is the value they create in the business so therefore expectation of your return also should be around about those levels or so and that understanding that look you know this is not something you know which will overnight double or triple and understanding that and creating that kind of a temperament is how you manage your emotion because if you have the mindset that look i'm buying a good quality business it can grow at 15 20% over a long period of time then i'm not worried if it goes down by 30 40% also in a single month or a quarter mm-hmm. and i'm not going to get too euphoric if it doubles also in 6 months time mm-hmm. because that doubling also can get corrected and this 40 50% correction in the stock also can get corrected Mm-hmm. so is the temperament which gets built over a long period of time and it's easier said than done varun but if you yeah. experience it yourself then that's how you build a temperament when you've seen a good quality stock double and then go down by 40 50% and then double again and mind you even infosys and hdfc bank in their journey when they created 100 bagger returns there have been many instances they've gone down by 20 30% in a period of 6 7 months or even a year so when you've seen that entire phenomena that's how you build the conviction and the temperament i think the most important thing is temperament and patience that you're on a good horse just because it is faltering for one round don't get off it i i want to i want to probe on this a little bit i'd love to understand if you've ever made that mistake of faltering on a good horse and yeah. and the flip side also if you've ever questioned a good horse decided to stick with it and it's worked out for you Yeah, well, I had <laughs> certainly I've had a few regrets, but the most recent one is Britannia Industries, you know, and this Britannia Industries had been a multi-bagger for me almost thirty, forty times. It had gone, it had gone up, and it did really well during the pandemic because people were eating biscuits, and it did exceptionally well. And therefore, those quarters of twenty twenty, twenty twenty one were exceptionally good. And then when it came to twenty one, twenty two, because of the base effect and overall slowdown, their growth rate started to peter out. and i sold off the stock because i thought that now growth rates are coming off but within a year's time again it became a hugely outperforming fmcg company and it was a quality business because of its brand mm-hmm. and its market share so that's one regret that you know you sold off a good quality stock at uh, at a um, you know when you made your money you booked the profit but it went on to do exceptionally well after that mm-hmm. so that's one uh, i would say disappointment that that uh, that i you know have seen in my um, a career but there have been many instances where i've held on to the stock irrespective of bad numbers also and benefited tremendously and one company that comes to mind is pi industries which makes agrochemicals and contract manufacturing they had a few soft quarters but the management always explained why the quarters were soft and they managed the, the expectation of the investor especially my expectation very well so i kept on holding on to it even during tough times and that stock has also gone up by 50 60 times in the life cycle that i have owned and i still own that stock as a major disclosure no i think that's a that's a really good story to highlight the importance of temperament um is there anything else 
from from a perspective of principles of portfolio management you'd like to share with the viewers so i think we covered the uh, how you can you know learn lessons from the index what proportion we should get into mid cap stocks per se and you know buying as i said there's no real formula for buying a stock but one of the important things is that uh, from a investor's perspective no is that they should think of stocks as if it is for life as if it is a part of your wealth a family member you know like when you buying a house it's like a vision of 20 30 years that the house eventually will get bequeathed to the inheritors to the to mm-hmm. his offsprings same concept should be applied in investments as well especially stock investments because now these stocks may keep on changing in your portfolio but your mindset has been that my family's wealth a large portion of it will be in stocks or it could be mutual funds which invest in stocks and you should have the temperament and the patience that come what may because see what happens in the stock market every day you get a price every day you can value your portfolio now there are apps which tell you every hour how your portfolio has gone up and gone down but that's all noise end of the day india is a growing country and there are so many wealth creating opportunities there are fantastic entrepreneurs and you just need to get a few of them and that's enough for you to create a great deal of wealth in stock market that is fantastic i think uh, hopefully our viewers you know follow the principles that you've laid out for us today and uh, they can learn how to build a portfolio for the next few generations so there's a director's question so so you're you're talking about the career has spanned for over three decades now and like there were many instances of bull market was there an instance like for a normal new investor they do panic selling when market is going down have you ever done that in your three decade career yeah i did it in 2008 because that's because you i was leveraged okay so i had borrowed money to buy stocks okay so therefore when the market tanked i still had the debt to repay so i had to sell stocks to pay for interest and for the debt that also happened that's a very big lesson that i and after that i have no borrowed to buy stocks over the next couple of episodes we're going to cover how to manage your portfolio through difficult times and what strategies to apply to portfolios that have some issues with them and after that finally we're going to get into how to select the right stocks for your portfolio and uh, looking forward to these next few sessions with you as well and please do stick around thank you for joining us this podcast is produced by Lexel Equities Private Limited a semi registered research analyst registration number INA 00004787 the information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and should not be considered as investment advice investment in securities market are subject to market risk we strongly advise all investors to read all related documents carefully before investing